Hello. I am so happy to be back with a new episode, and you do not want to miss this one. I'm Allison Jacobs, the host of the Creative Frame Podcast, where I interview other photographers monthly about their creative process and what inspires them. I hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to pick up your camera, to experiment, and get creative. For today's episode, I'm talking with Liana Isolini. Liana is an amazingly talented photographer and mentor who also has her own podcast called Creating the Curious. She is a master of self-portraits, and that's a topic we spend some time chatting about in today's episode. Liana and I talk about her belief that you're never too old, something that I think is such an important conversation in our world of photography, I mean, and in general. You can find the links to Liana's website, Instagram, and her podcast all in the show notes. Okay, I'm super excited to share this one, so let's dive right in. Hi, Liana. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm so good, and I'm really, really, really excited to be here. I am too. I am so happy that you said yes. And I'm just a little nervous to talk to you, but I'm so excited because I feel like I have all these questions and all these ideas for things that I want to chat with you about tonight. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on and talk tonight. Of course. I was honored that you asked me and never feel bad about being nervous with me because I'm always nervous. So, (laughs) Well, I love your podcast and I love the interviews you do and I love to go on and you just talk on your own and share what's going on with you as a creative and as a person. And so I am just really excited to chat with you tonight about all of this. Oh, thank you. I feel the same. I love your podcast. And it's so crazy that we both live in the same place. I've never met in person. We both started a podcast, I think around the same time. And we live down the street. That's crazy. I know. I know. We're gonna we're <laughs> gonna have to meet for coffee or meet with we our are. cameras. Well, I would love to just jump in and hear a little bit about how you got into photography and maybe even a little bit more just about like what you're focusing on right now. Okay, so the way that I got into <laughs> photography, it's such a, it's a long and windy, windy road. But to summarize it, I think I would say I was one of those people growing up that always had a camera with me. Like no matter where I went, you know, high school, junior high, I would say, I don't know if it started in elementary, I can't remember, but definitely from that age on, I was always the one with the camera, taking pictures, telling everybody, get together, let's take pictures, very obsessed with it. But I had no emphasis on making art. It was just like collect the memories, get the friends together. Just a big, big love of that my whole life. And then I went through many years, you know, I got my degree in psychology, decided not to pursue that as a therapist moved to LA, was an actress for 10 years, was an inner city elementary teacher for six years of that 10 years, simultaneously doing the same thing, became a realtor for five years. And then when I had just completely exhausted everything that I ever thought that I wanted to do and kind of got to the end of my rope and was like, okay, I've done it all. Didn't 
didn't pan out for me. These are not my thing. That was the only thing left that had always been that passion through my life. And I had never thought of it as something that I would turn into like monetize it. You know, it was just a passion. But when I got to the end of my rope, it was kind of like, well, maybe I do need to listen to that. You know, the advice that everybody gives, turn your passion into what you do. So I took that leap when I was 35 and it was, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy that it took me so long, but it's also kind of cool because I learned so much through all those ups and downs of doing all the other things. And then at 35 kind of found where I wanted to go. And from there, it has morphed into a million different (laughs) things. I don't even take clients anymore. And I used to, you know, everything's different than it used to be. But I, uh, I don't know, that's my story. It's long. There's a lot more to it, but I have to summarize. (laughs) Yes, I would love to hear about when you started taking clients and then kind of maybe how that changed into what you're doing now with photography that isn't related to taking clients. And I think part of that just would be like maybe helping people see that there are other things to do with your photography and other things to do with your art. I think the natural thing is to go straight into taking clients for people. So the fact that you don't, but you're still doing photography as a business would be really interesting to hear about. Okay. So gosh, that's a long and winding road too. I think So when I first started, I was like, I want to do weddings. This was 2011. I was just getting married that year. Weddings were my focus in life. So it was like, that's what I want to do. And so I got into like the event planning type thing. And I started working at one of those, got my foot in the door, then started being their photographer, doing all the events, all of that. Then two years later, I got pregnant And then decided, okay, now that I'm becoming a mom, I don't want this event life. I don't want to work on weekends. This is our family time together. So then I, I took the leap to leave that event place where I had, you know, an income and I was just working for them and go out on my own and start pursuing like maternity, mothers, families, things like that, that I now then had a passion for because I had just had a baby. So it was kind of like following what I was doing in my life. And then after a few years of dealing with the clients, I just started to realize, I don't know, it it just wasn't vibing with me. It wasn't working for me. It was like, oh gosh, I'm was constantly pushing up against something and I didn't quite understand what it was. I do now looking back. So I have a lot of hindsight to help me, but the issues I was having with, with monetizing my passion really came out when I was dealing one-on-one with clients. And it was kind of like, Oh, I've taken the love out of this for myself. And I'm, I'm kind of being seared in directions by people that I don't want to be steered in. I'm kind of having my artistic ideas taken from me and just being told this is what we want. I wasn't taking control of things. I know that in hindsight now, but I just kind of lost the love. And then that started morphing into self-portraiture. And then through self-portraiture, I found 
what I really want to do is teach other photographers, work with other photographers, not paying clients that don't really get it. So it just kind of morphed, morphed, morphed. And then that's where I am now. And brought some of that teaching experience that you mentioned back in the beginning from your life experiences back into your love for photography and connected those as well. So connecting those dots that all of our experiences lead us back to something, right? Totally. (laughs) Yeah. And the, the psychology degree too. So it's kind of like, I use a lot of that now too with with helping other photographers because there's so much psychology in it all. Yes. So. Yes. Which I would love to use that to jump right into talking about the way that you create your self-portraits. Because when I look at your self-portrait work that I see, like what you put out into the world, there's not just one thing that you're doing. I feel like you show up in a lot of different ways and yet they all look authentically like you from what I can see from the outside. There's like a consistent style, yet they're different, if that makes sense. So I would love to hear you share a little bit about how you plan for those or what your thought process is or what is happening in your brain when you're creating those. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Well, there's so many scattered thoughts when I think about that. So I think, you know, I, I do... When I think about what I love with photography, it's, I'm always thinking dark and light. So I love dark, shadowy stuff. And I really love light, bright color. And I don't love like an in-between of that. It's either dark, moody, emotional, or it's like, you know, in rainbow colors out with the sunset. And so... I don't know. It's kind of, (laughs) I don't even know what the question was. I'm kind of forgetting. I guess part of what I'm thinking about is, and you explaining that you kind of are drawn to both of the ends of the spectrum of the light and the dark. I can see that because I feel like some of your self-portraits are fun and bright and almost have like, they have a sense of humor to them somewhat. And then some of them are, seem to be very emotional and they feel like they have a lot of soul and they're deep and Yet I you are showing up in both of them, right? Those are obviously it's they're me, yeah. Right. Usually, usually at the moment or maybe trying to get there, you know, like gosh, I've been feeling pretty crappy for a while. Let's go do something bright and fun and and bring that out. Or gosh, I've been feeling pretty sad. So let's just take a self-portrait of that. I don't have rhyme or reason music really does affect me so if I have found a song that's really bringing something out in me I use that and sometimes it's a happy song sometimes it's an emotional song and I also I just tend to not really want to repeat too much of the same thing so if I feel like oh man I'm getting in a a rut of creating similar stuff and I'm not feeling energized by that. Let's just switch it up. So light, dark, happy, emotional. Like I kind of bounce around with no rhyme or reason. And it is all kind of like just a personal thing for me with no, obviously no intention of creating anything consistent on social media because I just, I just can't, I can't 
sit in that box. I'll get, I'll just have to move on. So it's kind of keeping it interesting for myself, actually, if I, if I really think about it, you know? Well, it sounds like you're intentional in two different ways. One, you're thinking about how you're processing what's going on in your life when you're creating your self-portraits and then also being intentional about trying to think about not recreating the same thing over and over again. And I think it's important to, yeah, really focus on that's not for social media. You're not trying to mix it up for social media. You're mixing it up for yourself to stay Mm -hmm. creative or to keep growing is what it sounds like. Yeah. If I put too much emphasis on social media, I, I just have to stop because even when, when times were really good with social media and engagement was very high and all of that, I would never allow myself to get too caught up in that because I know how fleeting everything is. And I'm super glad that I didn't because, you know, all of that has changed so significantly now. So I'm always checking in with myself, you know, what is motivating me? Why am I really doing this? And everybody gets off track. Sometimes people get caught up in that stuff. You know, I I can't say I've never gotten caught up in it, but if I do really check in with myself regularly and say, "Uh, okay, my motives or not motives, but the thing pushing me is off. What am I really trying to do here? That will put me back on course. So as much as I love social media for the connections and friendships and teaching opportunities, it's brought me, I, I really, really do think that you have to keep a distance from it. Like lean in, go in for a little bit and pull yourself out and go live life. And living life off of social media, I think is part of what can feed us as creatives. And I think that's really important too. It's being able to be in the world and think about what's inspiring us or what's prompting us to create, or like you mentioned, how you're feeling in your life and then creating from that place and then deciding if you want to share it. And if it resonates with people, great. And if not, that's not why you created it in the beginning to start with anyway. So yes. And that is something I always keep in my mind. Do not create in order to share, create for you, decide if and when you're going to share later. And most self-portraits of mine are not shared yet, sometimes even within six months of when I do it. So it's just like once I can just kind of put that to the side, if I care what anybody thinks about it, that's when I'll post it. So I've got to be able to make up my own decision about how I feel about something before I put it out for the world to receive their reaction or lack thereof. Yes. That was one of my questions I was thinking about with your self-portraits, especially the ones, like I said, that feel emotional, that feel like you were maybe creating from a place of something that's going on with you in your life. If there were some that you don't ever share. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. There's a few that I don't share and some are just because of lack of clothing, but, but I don't do many of those. That was just like a kind of a test, but yeah, there are some that I don't share. But I can say now, this many years later, that I eventually do share most of the self-portraits. Now, 
all the other photos that I take of other stuff, I probably only share like 2% of what I shoot. I just, I'm always taking photos on my iPhone. I love Polaroid. I don't really know how to post that, a Polaroid. It just doesn't come out right. I love stuff like that. So like 90 something percent of other stuff that I shoot never get shared, but the self-portraits are, I don't know. That's my way of kind of, I think, connecting and communicating with people. So that usually ends up working its way into something that I'm thinking that I want to say that I want to share like words. It's words and photos for me with self-portraits. Do you find that? that Yes, it does. Do you find that shooting the self-portraits helps you be reflective on what's going on in your life? Like for example, does it help you process feelings or emotions or something that you're going through And do you tend to pair that up when you do eventually share it? Or once you have that distance, that like six months or whatever time frame goes by, do you find that it doesn't really matter what was inspiring you at the moment you created it? It's just now you're ready to share it and put it out there. So it may or may not come along with whatever personal was happening with you. Does that make sense? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So one thing that I've really, it's taken me a long time to understand that I do is that I create photos with emotion. I'm not ready to share it because of the emotion that I am going through at that time. I hold on to those. And then I come back around later. I edit. I feel like, oh man, I really want to express this feeling that I'm feeling right now that had nothing to do with what was happening in that photo. But this photo pairs with this. And I have come to find (laughs) after a lot of (laughs) self-analyzation over the last year or two, that I have this deep need to put my feelings out there in some way, but in a creative form. I don't share like every single moment. Now, now that I have this podcast, I've shared way more than I ever thought I would, but, but I like, there's something so therapeutic for me about pairing my current feelings of words with a photo that matches it. I don't really process emotions while I'm taking self-portraits. It's just sort of like a creative release that I'm doing, but I do process as I'm sharing with my words. My words that I attach to my photos are really important to me. You know, I don't take it seriously. Like it doesn't need to be important to everybody else, but it is important for me to get that out. And I think, I don't know, it's just, that's something that I didn't get about myself until I really analyzed it over the last year and was like, what is this that I'm doing? You know? So it's just like this deep need. I don't even need anybody to say, oh yes, you're right. But I love connecting with other people that say me too. I guess I just love not feeling alone and then also making other people feel that they're not alone. And I also, I'm just coming to find this, that Like the day-to-day talking that you do with people out in the world, 
sometimes it just starts to make me feel like, I don't know, disingenuous. Like I'm being like this, this other version of a person since I became a mom, there's like this life that everybody's living and every, every conversation is so surface usually throughout the day, just as you randomly see people. So it's like this release of like, I have more to say. I'm thinking more, I'm feeling more. (laughs) And I just want to connect with people who want to get a little bit deeper, I guess. Yes. Well, and I think, isn't that a lot of what art is about? It's about creating things for ourselves, processing our own emotions, our own lives, our own experiences. And when it resonates with people, it's like an extra layer to the art that we've created. And like you said, that's a part of the community. And we are sort of, as photographers, creating in a silo almost, or we're creating individual or independent of other things, unless you are working like you're shooting weddings, like you said, you were working with a team earlier, or you're taking clients and you're really trying to bring their vision to life. But like for me, I will just take my camera and go on photo walks and I'm by myself. And whether I'm listening to music or I am just alone with no noise and I'm just being a part of my environment and I have my camera and I'm shooting, I'm by myself. That's it's a very individual process. So then when Mm -hmm. I create something and I put it out there and if I'm able to come up with words to pair it with, which is not a gift of mine and it resonates with somebody it's definitely a way to connect. It makes the art more than just what it was when I created it for myself. It's like the first layer for me is creating it for myself. And then if I decide to share it and put it out there and it resonates with somebody else, that brings me those connections with other people. So I can see that you're doing it through self-portrait and I might be doing it through shooting other things, but it's, it's the same kind of idea about wanting it to, it's, it's helping build community, which we need when we're creating things on our own. Right. It can be so lonely, you know, just creating by yourself all the time. It's, it's so true. And with you, like you're a part of the, the film community, which it's, it's this special little place where you guys, I don't know, there's like this special thing to the film community. I think I really, I love it. I think that it's still, you still have to put yourself out there and you still have to find the time to try to engage online and you have to find the ways to connect. And I think it's just, you know, there's so many different ways that you can join communities online. And I think film is just one of those avenues. Um, I don't, I don't see it being different than other photography communities I've been a part of over the years. It's just another community where one of the common grounds is how we're actually bringing the art to life. But I've found in other communities, there's other common grounds like, oh, this is a group and everybody's a mom and they're shooting their kids, or this is a group and their focus is landscape, or this is a group and they're, they're all Sony shooters, or, you know, there's still, to me, the film part is just, that's what is the connector, but that's the same for a lot of different groups. I mean, from the outside, it might look different, but from, from my perspective, shooting mostly film to me, it just feels like that's the connector. There's a group of people I can go to and say like, you know, I picked up some expired film. What's your advice? Or if somebody else asks a question and I've got experience with it, I can share just in the same way that anybody 
lens baby group or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, well, I, I have a very big interest in film, so maybe I'm just idealizing it from the outside because I want to get more involved in that, but it's kind of like a special little, special little thing. I guess all little groups are, but I don't know. I guess I think it's because I want to know more about it. And it's like the great mystery to me right now, you yes. know? Yes. I, I can actually relate because that's how self-portraits feel for me. I mean, I'm ah. thinking like one of my, one of my questions that I had for you was, uh, what kind of, cause I know you teach self-portraits and you've done some workshops and different things. What kind of barriers or what do people bring to you as a challenge? when they're trying to figure out how to do self-portraits. I have my own barriers. I'm happy to share, but the self-portraits to me just feel like this huge undertaking. I don't understand how people create such beautiful self-portraits and don't run up against all the barriers that I feel like I find for myself. So just generally speaking, are there kind of common ground questions that people ask you about that come up kind of over and over? Oh, yeah. The, the top two, well, it's always nailing focus. How do you nail focus? Which my answer is, I don't. And <laughs> if I end up nailing focus, then I'm really happy about it. But I'm not technical about it. I don't measure things. You know, I'm just sort of like, I use my camera's built-in timer. And I walk to the back after the 20 shots. I look at them. Did I get any that I like? I kind of analyze and move if I need to move. And so that I just say, I don't know. If you want to get it perfectly, use an app or something or ask somebody who is really into being perfect about it. But I really try to let go of the perfectionism when I'm doing my self-portraits. And then the number two is exactly what you think it's going to be. I don't like looking at myself. I don't want to do it because I don't like the way I look in photos. And I don't know if I've ever not heard somebody say that. So it's kind of like, for me, it's like, I'm a huge believer in growth. I'm a huge believer in challenging myself. And so I say to somebody, if the one thing that's holding you back is something like, like a strong feeling like fear or even judgment, if you're looking at other people's self-portraits and judging that as something, or you feel a strong feeling of fear, I challenge you to look deeper because there is something there for you. And it might end up changing everything for you. If you actually dive in, check it out. That is something that appeared to me. I wasn't expecting it. It took me by surprise that self-portraits actually ended up, you know, shaping my life. I never thought that. It was just something that I kind of tried for fun, pictures with my daughter, and maybe a little creative outlet. Never did I expect for it to affect my life and become a part of it. And it was all from the challenge of like starting it and going, whoa, I am not happy with what I'm seeing and this is uncomfortable. So I'm the type where it's like, okay, I've got to look deeper into this. This means something. This is something I've got to do. 
Now, it just so happened that I did start all this around the time I was turning 40. So that's, you know, a type, a, a time of deep introspection and for a lot of people, I guess, for me, for sure. So it came at the perfect time. But I would just say with that being the number one, I would say that's the number one thing that people say. I don't like the way I look. Look deeper into that. And what could come out of this if you challenge yourself to try it and see it? And if you do judge it, which a lot of people have judgments, I get it, especially non-photographers. But if you are a photographer and you judge it, you really need to look deeper into that too for you, for yourself. And do you, when you say that it was life-changing for you, are those some of the things that you felt like you had to work through when you first started shooting them? Oh, so yes. I would, I would so, love to hear more about how it was life-changing or what it was that you had to work through to, to get to where you are now. Yeah. So what, like I said, you know, I just started it for the, the mere fun of getting pictures with my daughter and creative outlet, no big plans or fears. Well, kind of like, oh, this is going to be hard, but it'll be fun. And then the first time I did a shoot, it was like, whoa, I am very unhappy with what I'm seeing here. (laughs) First of all, I don't know what I'm doing. Second of all, I'm not happy with seeing myself. And, And then if you're doing like something close up, just seeing it all big on the screen, raw, it's, it was, it was something that really took me by surprise. I've always been a self-conscious person and I have had to work on these issues. And I knew this, as soon as I had a daughter, I'm not going to raise a daughter to have those issues. So it was something I was already concentrating on working on as a person, but it was really floored by my reaction to seeing myself. And I just made a commitment to keep at it and keep digging. Luckily I was in a group and I think that was a big thing for me. And I think that that really helped me stick with it because I was in the P52 radness. I'm sure a lot of people have heard about that. It was years ago, but it was a big turning point for me. There was a lot, like some of my close friends now I met in that group, you know, what I think six years ago at this point. So it was a a big bonding experience. But when I first started, it was like, I will only take photos with my daughter, never alone, no way. And people in this group, because we had a a private Facebook group, people started posting solo self-portraits, emotional solo self-portraits, intimate solo self-portraits. And I was like, whoa. What am I seeing? You got this was not a big thing at this point. <laughs> and I'm like, this is amazing. I am never doing that ever, ever. There's no way. This is too much for me. And so I just kept doing stuff with my daughter, doing stuff with my daughter. As the weeks went by, it was just such an uphill climb because she was young at that point. So it was like wrangling her, trying to get her not to knock over the tripod. So much. So I'm like, okay, I should just try a solo. I started off with like, you know, turning your head and and getting the blur of the hair in front of the face and creative hiding. 
in that way. The creative hiding before was behind my daughter. Then I started new techniques of like blur or faceless, you name it. And it was just kind of like a thing that grew. Okay, maybe I could take this a step further this time. I did the head blur. Maybe I can kind of show a little bit of my face this time. And then they started doing challenges. And that was where I really, really was pushed to my limit. The challenge was eye contact with the camera. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I will never forget it. It was like, how, how am I going to do this? And how am I going to share this? And I just broke through that barrier After that, it was like, there's no turning back. I don't know what happened to me. I just became someone that was like, okay, I can do this. And it kept growing. And my courage just kept kind of expanding each time. And I think it took me like a year to really break through most of the the barriers that I had in my head, the limiting beliefs, the fears, all of that. But then after that, it was like no holds barred. I was just going for whatever. And it was so exhilarating to kind of like break out of my shell and just share it with these people. You know, it was just, it had so much to do with, with the activity of the group and the support and the camaraderie and the community too. And I don't know, it just, it started with like, I don't even know why I'm doing this to, whoa, I need to do this. I'm really having issues here to, okay, let's break through barrier after barrier to, wow, I now love photography again. All of my love had kind of faded, as I said, from taking on clients and it just brought it all back. I was reinvigorated and it did change my life. It did change me. It has helped me through my forties just kind of go, okay. I don't love what's happening here, but I have to age gracefully, as gracefully as I can and accept as much as I can of this and find ways to, who cares if I'm putting myself in extra good lighting, find ways to enjoy whatever's happening here and know that my life is, is what I make it. And aging is a blessing. Like I'm lucky to to be aging. And even if it's rough to kind of see those changes as you look at the screen through this time, I've become more comfortable with me. And I think that that's what it's all about. You hear self-love, radical self-love, radical self-acceptance. I don't know if I'm like at that point where I'm like, whoa. I love this every time, but I'm more comfortable with me. I'm more comfortable with saying, yeah, I'm in my mid forties. Yeah, it's great. Instead of caring so much about everything. And I do owe that to self-portraiture. I do owe it to that. And I know that I know I would have worked on it regardless because I had a daughter and I don't want to give her the example of a mom who is just obsessed with aging and all of that crap. 
But this was a wonderful way to work on it. And then now I'm passing it on to other people. And I'm like, you know, when I'm at these conferences and stuff, I'm like one of the oldest people there. So I'm like the wise, wise old lady helping people out. <laughs> I I can relate to that for sure. I feel like you said a couple of really, really powerful things. And one thing that I kind of heard, and you didn't use this term, but I'm thinking about how you've had a safe space to create and a safe space to share. And it wasn't yeah. that you were creating these at a point where maybe you were unsure or you were trying to figure it out. Like you said, you were doing creative hiding first. And then with the eye contact challenge, the first thought wasn't, oh, I'm going to put this on Instagram. It was, you're creating this and you're in a safe space of a group where you're all growing and you're all pushing yourselves and you had a place to ask questions. And it sounds like that was a private group, not a public group. And so I do think that it's important to kind of differentiate sometimes. I think that we miss out when we see other people's work. And I know this is not an uncommon thing, but like you see where somebody is now and you don't see the road that they had to take to get there because maybe that was being shared in a safer space or in a private community. And then we wonder when we're trying to do something, why it doesn't look like that other person's right off, you know, right out of the gate. Right. But I think we need that safe space when we're creating art, but especially if it's as personal as you being the subject and putting yourself out there. Yeah. At least, at least for me. I mean, I know I've definitely tried the creative, I've never used that term or heard that term creative hiding, but like when you mentioned (laughs) the hair, I thought, Oh yeah, that's one. I've definitely tried that one a lot. (laughs) I've never thought I've never stopped to think like, why is that one of my go-tos? I do really love it when I see it. And on the Mm. surface level, that's where I think like, Oh, I love the movement. I love the the feeling of a moment kind of captured in motion. There's a lot of reasons I think why I'm drawn to self-portraits or just portraits where there is movement. But I think I thought like that would be an easier place to start with self-portraits. It's not. It's not any easier. It wasn't any easier. I didn't think it was any easier. Technically, maybe. (laughs) Maybe emotionally, maybe it's not. Emotionally, maybe it's easier. Technically, it's not any easier to get yourself in focus or get yourself in the middle of the frame or, you know, any of those kinds of things. But yes, emotionally, maybe it's an easier place to start. And and so I really love how you kind of talked about almost the stages of diving deeper into the self-portraiture. And at each of those stages, you had to dive deeper into yourself and really stop and think, you know, am I judging? What am I thinking? What are my thoughts? Why? How do I get past this to get to that place where you're confident? Yeah. 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 It was, yeah, it was very important in my life and, you know, not everybody's going to understand it. And that's okay. Yes. And I, and I definitely can uh, appreciate the age thing as well. I'm 48. So I'm right there with you. And I feel like I used to, yep. I used to almost feel like I was not old enough or didn't have enough experience and, and everybody was a little bit ahead of me. And then now I feel mm-hmm. like at some point it kind of flipped. And now I feel like <laughs> I'm the older one and I've been around too long and, Oh, I, I'm doing the, like, I remember when kind of things yeah. and like, yeah. when did I become that person? What happened to the perfect <laughs> in the middle? There is no perfect in the middle for right. being a creative or being an artist no. or, you know, being on this journey. And, and so I can, I can relate to that as well. Showing up at different places and thinking, Oh, 
oh, oh, oh, I'm 20 years older than everybody here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And, And people being just amazing artists and me thinking, how, how, you know? Yeah. Um, right. Just being blown away by what people are creating at all different stages of their lives and all different ages and just realizing that it doesn't really matter. Just we're all on our own pace throughout this. Yes, exactly. But I know that's been a message that you have shared on Instagram. I loved your card. I, I hope everybody goes and tries to find that post that you did where you were like, flipping the cards and talking about the different things that you've started at different ages. Um, oh, the real, the real, was it a real? Okay. I'm like, it was something yeah. you were flipping cards video. I didn't. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you feel like is important for you in terms of like sharing that message or being upfront about that or putting that out there? Well, you know, gosh, I feel like, so I used to always call myself a late bloomer. I'm always late to the party. Like I start liking skinny jeans when everybody starts making fun of them. Like I'm never, you know, on time with any of these things. So I've always called myself a late bloomer. And as you know, like I've always traveled from, I travel in and out of these endeavors in life. And there is no such thing as a late bloomer because we're all on our own timeline. I'm 46 now. I still have so many things that I want to do and accomplish. And I guess just the longer I spend time in this and I deal with people and their doubts and their fears and I hear, you know, oh, it's too late or, oh, I'm getting so old or, (laughs) and they're like in their early thirties, I'm sitting there going, I'm not mad at them because I get it. I've, I've been there, but it's like, no, 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 there is still time. Like who decides this? Who convinced you of this? Why do you believe this? I just, it's like, there's no race. I don't want, I don't want anybody to give up on something that they want to do just because of something that somebody else convinced them of because they were scared. So I don't know. It's just a big thing for me. I've kind of reached that point in life where so many things make sense that may not have made sense years ago. And I just want to share it because I feel really passionately about the fact that I still have stuff to do. Yes, I feel the same. I feel like there's no rush. And I always want to try to encourage people who... I feel like sometimes share, like they feel like they're pushing up against the clock somehow. And I want to know what clock are you looking at? Because there is no clock. And I know for me, I, I had to get to a place where I was okay with feeling that way. And part of my journey has been the fact that I've always worked full time and done this as something that I had to fit into other times in my life while being a wife, while being a mom while trying to do all the things that we all have to do, you know, exercise, eat healthy, cook dinner, whatever it is, like, you know, have other hobbies, you know, read a book, basically just live my life. And then also wanting to grow as an artist and push myself and learn new things. And at some point I just decided there's no rush. I can continue to just grow at my own slow pace. Totally. Yeah, it is true. 
And you have been able to team up with some wonderful ladies recently for some retreats and some in-person things. And you mentioned teaching in person again. And I would love to just hear you share a little bit about like the difference maybe between teaching and or learning online versus being in person. You know, what, what does that look like? How is it different for you? Well, okay. So (laughs) this year was like, reintroduction into like being around people again. And I, uh, gosh, teaching online, it feels so much safer. You're pre-recording things. You're kind of just deciding, oh, I'm going to edit it this way. I'm going to lay it out here for everybody to see in this form. And it's all done and tidy and neat. And it's great, but Then I was thrown into back into like life again this year. And to be totally honest, I decided to teach it click away as a personal kind of like challenge for myself because I'm not like the big conference type of a person. I'm more of like a small group. So when, when they asked me, because don't even think I applied for something that scary. When they asked me, I was like, oh man, okay, I have to do it. I have to do it because I'm terrified. And so that's its own thing. It ended up being awesome. It was very challenging for me. I loved it. I left there just thinking, wow, I'm so proud of myself for putting myself in that position and just meeting the challenges day after day and giving it my all. But it it was, it was a challenge for me. Now the finding wonder, that's a little bit more, you know, in my wheelhouse, safe, small group, sharing intimate feelings and, you know, just, just safer, safer, I would say. And Cindy and Chandra are also like, yeah, they're just amazing people. And I, I treasure their friendship. So that's a whole thing in itself. But we were talking earlier before this started about it being life-changing. And you sound, you feel corny saying, oh, it was life-changing. <laughs> but it truly was because... That was my first reintroduction into like in-person stuff this year. That was before ClickAway. And I was just coming out of, you know, this whole pandemic thing, kind of just not used to being around people and like, what do I share? Will people be nice? Are we going to be comfortable? Like so many questions. Knowing I was going to a safe place, but still like, ah. And I left there just my mind was quiet and it was like a quiet that I hadn't felt in so long. And it was also like, Oh yes, this, this is what I love. This is why I share my self portraits and I, and I tell a lot about my life and I and why on my podcast, I talk about things that I would never talk about in a daily conversation and I expose feelings and stuff and finding wonder. It's just, it's kind of like you go there, you drop all the masks, everybody drops their mask and you reveal 
like who you are, what you're about, and you bond and it's safe and it's fun too. We had so much fun together and oh gosh, I don't know. I can't really even tell you anything bad that happened at all with it. It was just sort of like, okay, this is where I belong. Will I challenge myself to these conferences again? For sure. But, you know, finding wonder if I'm going to like really say where I belong, it's, it's that. So teaching online, it's great. It's safe. It's neat and tidy. Teaching in person, it's for me personally, the biggest challenge. And it's just kind of like putting it all out there and really having to let go of like how you'll be received. And which is a big thing for me, you know, I want to please everybody. I want to make everybody feel like they got their money's worth, or I want to, I want to make sure that people are inspired or, you know, have all these expectations. And I really had to work on myself and just say, Hey, you give it all you got. You put everything that you have into what you're trying to teach And it's not going to be right for everybody. Some people are still not going to like it. And that's okay. As long as you are giving everything you've got. And I do that online and in person, but in person, it's like, you're just fully exposed. It's magnified in person. Oh yeah. Yes. For me at least. (laughs) Yes. No, I've had the same experience. I pushed myself a few years back to apply and teach at Click Away and I have an, I have a background in education and I've taught yeah. for almost 25 years and um, to show up in a place where I consider people to be not just my peers, but people that I also looked up to and mm. people who I saw as mentors or people who I, ha- I had learned from online and then to see them in person and think they might show up for my class. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. you, you know, having to have, you have this small window to put everything out there. And that's all you can do. You don't have control over whether people enjoy it or like it or it resonates or they feel like they learned enough because people are coming in at all different places as well. So you can't meet everybody where they are when you have a 45 minute or hour block to just put the information that you had planned out there. But it, it was also a huge time of growth for me. I grew so much from pushing myself to do that and also had a few moments where I just had to go back to my hotel room and just sit quietly by myself. Oh, <laughs> like man. Just, I had to introvert after I had forced myself to extrovert, you know, just Me too. Um, Me take too. a deep breath and just kind of think like, okay, going to have a few minutes before I go back out there versus when you're online, you can manage that a little bit better. You oh, can yeah. manage your energy. You can manage what your output is versus what you're taking in. And when you're in person, mm-hmm there's less of that. And I think Mm. that in person, the small versus the conference, I agree with you hundred percent on that too, because I've experienced both. I feel like the big conferences can be a lot of fun. You can meet a lot of people. There's, you know, often a lot of big energy just in the room. Mm. And then the smaller conferences or the smaller kind of retreats or workshops, I feel like you get to really become friends and know people. It's, it's a much more intimate on a, it goes deep. Yes. Yes. So I think yeah. there's a place for both. Yeah. And they both bring really great things, but they're just different. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I I think, let's see, maybe I'm like, did I get all my questions in while I have you? I feel like I'm like, <laughs> don't want to miss my opportunity while I have while I have you here to <laughs> chat with you. But you've shared so much. And I just I really appreciate your time. And I thank you so much for just coming and sharing, you know, just from your heart and being open, which I think is really hard. I know you mentioned that you, you put yourself out there on your own podcast and when you are sharing your work online, but I think that's a really hard thing to do. It's hard to get to a place where you're confident. And I like that you shared some of the behind the scenes on how you maybe wait a little bit until you know you're ready to put it out there or just different things for people to maybe think about for themselves so that they can do the same things. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm going to have to have you on my podcast now. I haven't been doing interviews forever, <laughs> but when I get caught up with my list that I, that I had and then let go of, cut, get caught up, I do want to have you on because I think this is like really cool that we both start at the same time. We're kind of we do the, the same type of thing, but it's just also different. And I, I, we have to talk again and we have to meet actually in person since you live down the street. <laughs> yes, we need to meet and you can bring your Polaroid. I, I will definitely link to your podcast, to your website, to your Instagram, anything that you want me to link to so people can make sure they can find you if they don't already know where to find you. Are there any projects you have coming up? Is there anything you're working on that you want to make sure to share with people that you want me to link to, or you want people to know about? Hmm. Not really. I mean, you know, my podcast is my main thing. I'm, I just agreed to teach it photo native in Palm Springs in February. That's, that's all I really have coming up and finding wonder, which we already talked about. Yes. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. it's all very exciting. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you your time and yeah. talking with Thank me. you. I love talking to you and I'm excited to actually meet you. In person yes. Yes. Too, hopefully. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, I would absolutely love it if you would take a screenshot to share on Instagram or share it with a friend. Tag me and Leanna so we can see it and hear how this episode inspired you. Thank you so much for being here with us. Mm-hmm.